1: Batman Batman Kapow
2: <laughs> The dynamic punch. duo Punch They literally write punch sometimes <laughs> really? I think punch? so Yeah I've seen I
1: mean I, I love I thought it was just Kapow Kapow and Pow blam. blam Oh there's a lot of On Game of Nights we were inspired by the old uh, Batman point. Yeah The
2: <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's what it sounds like every time. <laughs> hey everybody, how are you doing? You are watching slash listening to the Command Zone Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. And today we are talking about... well. Partners, actually. Uh, Battle Bond has, s- has shown us that partners and the idea of partners is not gone. Thank you, Gavin, for keeping this alive, albeit in a slightly different way. So we're going to be ta- talking about partners in general today, talking about the best partners and actually some of the limitations that unfortunately are baked into the design and whether or not the partner with commanders are worth playing in your deck the 99 and some cards we would play with those decks as well
1: partners old and new very exciting yeah a lot of new partners if you want to pick up some of these partner commanders to build decks around then then just go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone if you use that affiliate link when you order your magic product your singles anything at all you really are supporting game nights and this podcast and we super appreciate it and as
2: always, a big thank you to Ultra Pro, our other sponsor of the show, Ultra Pro with these amazing playmats. We just got our playmats printed, actually. They're on the way from the press, or they're in the process. They're in the someone, process of being printed. Someone sent some I'm emails. Like, I think it goes it takes into a, little while.
1: A, a queue. Yeah, it takes a little while. It takes a, a few weeks to get all printed. In fact, we had over 2,000 ordered, so that's gonna yeah. it's gonna take more than, they're not printed yet, they're being printed. Yeah, but thank you to Ultra Pro. Obviously, great product. Pick it up at your local LGS. And
2: of course, we have to print some extra playmats. For our patrons
1: yes so if you want to support the show to support support if you want to support the show directly <laughs> yeah. you can go to patreon.com slash command zone and contribute straight to us our patrons do get access to free merchandise once they once they qualify so they will be getting the last hand playmat. um whoop. Whoop. and we also call out one lucky patron every single episode and this episode is dedicated to brian, brian g broderick, broderick. brian you rock. You rock and I checked
2: Brian's profile. He 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 passed the amount and he's he either has received a free piece of merch or is going to be receiving the last stand playmat as Sweet. a free piece of merch. So congrats Brian. Congrats Brian. Thanks for the support. Okay. So, the best partner uh when we put some The best partner
1: or partner with, with Commanders? With? There's yeah. a question mark in there too. <laughs>
2: um so if you don't know, partner commander's entered the world in Commander 2016. It was the four color set and it was a very exciting time because I think there are 105 unique combinations of partners. And they basically have the mechanic partner on them that allows them to be a commander with another card that says the word partner. And we talked a little bit about this. Josh, one of your favorite decks has a partner commander. And it's actually one of
1: the most popular decks on the EDH rec, I might add. It's Thrasios and Vile Smasher. Yeah, that is my favorite deck still. Still? Um, Yeah. nice. Still to this day. Crazy. Two years later. But you get to
2: play four colors in that deck, and that's why the partner commanders were exciting. Now, of course, you can do two color combinations with partner. You can also do
1: three color combinations with partners. No fives yet. No fives yet. That would be crazy. We'll see. They just need to create a couple three. got to be so careful with it, even as I say that out loud. Yeah. You know, Jimmy, this was your idea for an episode, and it's really fascinating. You kind of put something out there that I hadn't thought about, but I think is definitely true, which is that it feels like the partner commanders didn't quite fulfill the promise that we thought or live up to the expectations. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of great things about them but as you were sort of putting down your thoughts I was like yeah that's kind of true they they didn't quite get there.
2: It's actually kind of limited in scope. There's 105 possibilities but honestly you're only trying to really play four to six of them total. I mean it, it. look you can build whatever you want but the actual way that the partners work once you start putting two partners together that don't have synergies that
1: actually work that well together your deck suffers as a result. I mean there are four top partners. I never thought about this until you kind of went in and researched this and put these down. And you're basically always partnering a different partner with one of those four. Mm-hmm. If you want, like, a, an actually strong, good deck, you could obviously do, like, Ishai and Ikra Shadiki and, and, and do yeah. a deck. You can do it. It's just that combination is going to be worse than probably your other non-partner options. Um, but, so there are, like, four commanders that are open, or sorry, four partner commanders yep. that are kind of open-ended enough that they allow for a diversity of strategies, and you're kind of part, shoehorning another one in there. Yeah, you're
2: either trying to find two partners that work well together, because there are a couple of Artifacts Matters partners. So like, right. okay, these guys will work well together, or you're being like, I have one partner I want to build around, and another utility partner almost. Yes. Um, which makes sense, uh, but that's why they have to be careful with the design, I'm supposing, because if they make too many of these guys, then you're really cracking the box open. I mean,
1: and they a couple of these are broken.
2: Yeah, oh, 100%. I mean, w- yeah. Well, let's talk about them. Yeah. Uh, so the best partner commanders, I call these the tier one partner commanders just because they fit into every archetype and honestly, they're the best with each other if you're going the competitive route. Uh, Kaidel, chosen of Krufix. Uh This actually had a very fun Game Nights debut and it did work because yeah. Kaidel taps for a lot of mana and Kaidel will also just destroy you. So it's two green and a blue for a 2-3. Legendary creature, human wizard. She's got four arms. Pretty cool. She's like, what's that guy in... Uh- um, Mortal Kombat Goro. Uh, you are, yeah. yeah, Goro. She's it's it's Goro chosen the proof Uh You can tap her to add colorless to your mana pool for each card you've drawn this turn. So she's in green and
1: blue. It's Those not super cards. hard to go infinite mana with Kaidel. Yeah, pretty... untap her a couple of times. Have her feed into like a basalt monolith. Just you're good. You're done. Staff of domination. The Umbral Mantle. I mean, there's a not Umbral Mantle. Um, what's the adorn? Oh, man. The Untapper? Which I one? have this deck. I took it apart, though, after that, because it was just like... <laughs> we were just building to the same home run each time, right? Basically, like, it was like wheel once, then just Untapper with something. Oh, that, yeah, wheeling. Yeah, you just wheel a fortune, because you put red with a, a partner with her, and then yeah. you just make infinite mana every game, and then fireball everybody out, or, or the equivalent.
0: Sounds um, glorious to me. Uh, yeah, what it was you? fun the
1: first few times, and then it was kind of boring. Anyway, so she's extremely powerful, Um. The next one on the list you have here is, I think, the most broken of all of them, and a tier one commander just by itself, Thrasios, Triton Hero. It's absurd how tier one this is. Yeah, it's a green and a blue for a 1-3 merfolk wizard. Has a partner, obviously. And the ability is you can pay four and then scry one, then reveal the top card of your library. If it's a land, put it onto the battlefield tapped. Otherwise, draw a card. (laughs) So you scry one, and then you either put the land on the battlefield tap, if that's what you want, or you draw the card, depending on what it is. This card is card draw and mana ramp on a card. Yep.
2: It's as green-blue as it gets. It only costs two mana to play. The activated ability has no colored mana cost.
1: That's that's the big mistake, I think, here, because if you ever create infinite mana, Thrasios draws your entire deck and puts all your lands into, into play, play tapped, yeah. But still, that card is insanely broken. You um, just need one extra turn card with that at that point, or just a way to untap your lands. There's, there are untapped permanent cards. Right? A lot of times you don't even need that, because if one of your cards... True. If one of, if you create an infinite mana, if one of your cards was win like Omniscience or yeah. something, well, you've already made infinite mana, so you can cast all the cards that you drew. Probably, I mean, it could be infinite colorless. Yeah. Anyway, obviously, Thrasius just crazy good. And you can literally put him in any
2: partner deck because, again, green and blue. We're saying, we've always said this: the two best colors for commander, as well as just being powerful enough that you don't need to pay color mana for it at all. And the ability goes
1: with anything, right? It's not. Yeah. Um, it, doesn't specific, yeah, it doesn't right? limit like, you specific, right? Like do I no matter what strategy I'm playing, do would I like to draw cards? Yes. Yeah. Would I like to mana ramp? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. also yes. Yeah.
2: Both <laughs> seem like great ways to have more fun playing the game. Uh the next card, Vile Smasher the Fierce, it's who your Thrasios deck is partnered up with. One a black and a red for a 2 3 legendary creature, Goblin Berserker. This guy's hilarious. Whenever you cast your first spell each turn, it's a girl. oh, is it? You're right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Actually, she's also the the non-vile smashing version is in yeah. uh, cons or I think dragons in the alternate future or past, whatever. Uh, okay. Whenever you cast your first spell each turn, Vile Smasher deals damage equal to that spell's CMC to an opponent chosen at
1: random. I think this End is. Partnered. Yeah, I think this doesn't seem overtly powerful, but it goes in any strategy again because do would you like to do damage to your opponents? Yeah, like it's it. It's so open ended for free basically. Yeah, it's so open ended as far as like what it's doing that it, like does it care if you have artifacts? Not particularly. Nah. Does it care if you cast instants of sorceries? Not right really. Does it care about any tribe? Not specifically. Nah. Does it care about, you know, I guess the only strategy it wouldn't go with is if you're trying to mill your opponents out.
2: Yeah, I guess so because you don't care about damage? Yeah, I mean damage we always say combat's like how you win the game. You usually just swing creatures at people, but damage is the other way and that's why value Smasher works. Again, in every single partner deck that you want to put it in, because at no point are you going to be like, "I don't want to hurt my opponents." I
1: mean, I would actually say that combat damage is not the way that most uh games of Commander end, and, and File Smasher yeah. gives you that alternate way to win that's not yeah. combat because every, oh, you deck, know what? Group every deck, Actually, even Group Hug needs win. No, it's conditions. fine because I'm just casting stuff, gumming everything up, and as I'm doing that, I'm doing damage to everybody. Yeah, like it's fine in Group Hug too. It's a great card to be like, "It's File Smasher's fault, not mine." Yeah, even though true. I cast it and put it in my deck. <laughs> Uh, the last sort of tier one of the partner commanders is Timna the Weaver. It's one, a white, and a black for a 2-2 legendary creature. Human Cleric has lifelink. And at the beginning of your post-combat main phase, you may pay X life where X is the number of opponents that were dealt combat damage this turn. And if you do, you draw X cards. So let's say um, I'm in a four-player game and I attack Jimmy with Timna and you know Mel with my elvish mystic or something Mm -hmm. and now it's early in the game they don't have any blockers now after combat before my second main i pay two life because two opponents have taken combat damage and i draw two cards pretty good and timna has got life link so So. (laughs) i gain that life back back um the reason that timna
2: is in this category even though she seems a little different than the other three uh in that it's like oh but you have to be attacking and the damage has to hit If you're doing things like ramping in game with creatures, if you're doing things like casting small spells, or even creatures, or just ways to get damage in, even Timna by herself, if
1: she hits one person once, is more than worth it. I also think that she's a card draw card. Yeah. So like we were saying with the other, like Kaidel, that's ramp. Thrasios, ramp and card draw. Timna, card draw. Yeah. Vial Smasher is the one that I think doesn't fit, but because it's so open-ended. Because what do we say every deck wants? This is proving our point. Yeah. Card draw and mana ramp. Um, and Tim is a card draw card. However, you however you slice it, Tim is a card draw card. Hey, lifelink is important too. You, know, you <laughs> never know. You never know. It could
2: be it could be a big difference maker. Um, okay, so now let's talk about the second best partner commanders. Now, these cards are actually pretty close behind, but all of them do specifically fall into archetypes. Uh the first is Silas Wren, Seeker Adept. I played this on game nights as well. Got back in Expedition Map a lot of times. It's one a blue and a black for a 2-2 two, two legendary artifact creature, human with death touch. Whenever Silas Ren deals combat damage to a player, choose target artifact card in your graveyard. You may cast that card this turn in has Partner. So again, he's very specifically looking in your graveyard and for artifacts. So it's a graveyard artifact specific commander, but every deck has artifacts. I mean who hasn't had their artifacts blown up? Silas Ren is very good, but he's not as open ended as he the top tier
1: commander is. Still pretty open ended though, as far as like yeah. it's it can not be any hard. kind of artifact. Yeah, and it's not hard to something. just play a lot of artifacts. True. So it, Especially it, in these colors. Yeah. It but again, there are definitely strategies where that you can't run Silas with that, right? Yeah. Uh tribal strategies will be tough. Um incident sorcery strategies will be tough creature based stuff and artifact based stuff obviously but super friends that would be tough oh, yeah, but you so can run thrasios tough. if you're running super friends so yeah yeah it's just a matter of like how open-ended um the next one you have down here is tana the blood sower tana is two red and a green for a 2-2 elf druid with trample 2-2 with trample huh whenever tana <laughs> deals combat damage to a player create that many 1-1 green sapperling creature tokens so if you can pump her up you'd make more tokens. If you um, want to sacrifice tokens, it's yeah. token based decks, obviously, but still very powerful. Um, you and know, maybe good with something like Timna. Yeah, that's true. Hey, that's a you just made a deck, dude. But again, <laughs> you're, you're like you said, you're you're in a go wide strategy. You're kind yeah. of if you were doing an artifact based deck, then Tana probably doesn't help you in that regard.
2: True. Yeah. Uh, the next I have is Rayhan, last of the Obzon. one black and a green for a zero zero human warrior, legendary of course. He enters the battlefield with three. She, she again. Oh my gosh. I need to look better at the art. I just based it <laughs> off the names. That's
1: well, with Vile Smasher, you can't tell
2: either. That's true. From the art. It is fierce. Her, she is fierce. Rayhan also very fierce by the way. Enters the battlefield with three plus one plus one counters for it, so she ends up being a three three for three that costs three mana. Obviously, Uh, whenever a creature you control dies or is put into the command zone, if it had one or more plus one plus one counters on it, you may put that many plus one plus one counters on target creature. So if you pair this up with a blue commander, you can sometimes go infinite with like sort of like I think grafting is one of the ways you can go infinite. Oh, interesting. Um, So obviously, like you know anyone that has played a Gave deck in the past knows the power of plus one plus one counters and the ability to move them around. So the Rayhan obviously pretty good but again very focused on the specific thing but because it says each creature um, any creatures dies you can move the counters around that's actually a really strong utility and protection card for any
1: deck that cares about plus one plus one counters but you have to care about plus one plus one counters yeah again Thrasios doesn't it goes with planeswalker he just decks. It goes with planeswalker decks. Yeah, it goes with instant sorcery decks. Rayhan doesn't. That's not. like
2: kind of a good uh, barometer. Like, does it does it work with a planeswalker deck? Because that's definitely, I'd say, or a group hug deck even. Because that's definitely on the outside fringe strategies. Planeswalker I mean, you could like say that's
1: why Thrasios is so good because the answer to that question: group hug, planeswalker, instant, sorcery deck. Anything. Yes. But the only thing you could say, even a mill deck, probably would be fine yeah. with Thrasios. It's not like he's getting in the way. Rayhan does nothing with you know a lot of those strategies. Okay, and the last one in the sort of second tier of partner commanders and i think this is the closest to a tier one yeah i agree uh commander oh actually if it was like two mana less it probably would be it's ravos i think that's the only reason i didn't put it in the top tier because it, it does cost it's over yeah. yeah so it's ravos soul tender three a white and a black so a five mana two two flying human cleric it says other creatures you control get plus one plus one And then it says, at the beginning of your upkeep, you may return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. So, again, this doesn't work in a Planeswalker deck, so it doesn't pass the Thrasios test, Mm -hmm. the brand new, just now coins Thrasios Thrasios test. test. But at the same time, (laughs) creature deck is as open-ended as, like, artifact deck. Mm -hmm. You know, it's way more open-ended than, say, Specifically, a token deck or a
2: plus one plus one counter deck. Yeah. And this goes to your hand, so it's technically a little better than what Silas Ren's ability is uh,
1: because he has to attack and hit. Like, he has Death Touch, but Ravos has Flying. And then you have to cast it kind of now, otherwise, yeah. you lose the ability to cast it yeah. next turn. Yeah, that's true.
2: So, Ravos, I think, is close to Silas. I still put Silas above just because I think, uh, well, the other thing is, Ravos' Anthem ability is pretty strong as well if you're going any kind of just But Silas strategy. is
1: a three drop. Yeah.
2: And Ravos is a five
1: drop. Yeah, and, and I
2: think in general, because you can play more artifacts in decks than creatures and from different colors,
1: you're going to want to, even if you're going four color. I think Silas Shrine is still more flexible. Um, interesting, and it's an interesting point, and I think this demonstrates it, which is that like that second tier of stuff is not even close to as good. And if not you, even close, if yeah. If you start pairing it with the not tier one stuff, so if you're not, if you say I'm going to build a Ravos deck, but I can't pair it with Kaidel, Thrassius, File Smasher, or Timna, the deck is pretty interesting it's It's not it's not good i mean and by good i just mean you know it it's not very powerful that doesn't mean you can't have fun and you can't do cool things but at the same time it's definitely not going to be like a feared deck in your play group
2: yeah it doesn't mean you can't load it up with good stuff either right you can turn any of the partner commander decks into a good stuff deck and because you can do four colors Yeah. yeah Um, but and then uh, the other partners we didn't talk about were Bruce Tarl Sadar Kondo Kraum Ludovic's Opus Akiri Line Slinger and Ishai I say Ishai's maybe close to tier 2 just because this is a thing that happens in games but again I think 4-man yeah. is a little expensive it's just
1: a big dumb flyer though at that point
2: I love big dumb flyers Ludovic uh, Ikris Shidiki and then Ludovic yeah Ludovic is in my Tim deck but again it's so such narrow. a specific <laughs> deck right like how many decks yeah it's crazy. yeah so that's that's the really interesting thing I thought about partners like oh that's why I want more partner commanders because the most powerful ones dominate the field in terms of both the decks on EDH track right, if you count them there and also just which commanders want to be paired with those guys and just specifically with that top four
1: maybe five if you're going to throw Ravos in there so, really, when you talk about possibilities, and I'm not going to do the math right now, it's not 105. It's not 105. Wide, yeah. Five you can make right? 105, but if you scroll
2: all the way down the EDH rec, you're, you're getting into, like, there's, like, two decks. <laughs> I can mean, see what the least is. It's like saying you can is. play
1: with, like, I don't know, one of those old legends from Legend that doesn't, like, with yeah. Stag or something. Like, Stang can't be Stag. Stang. stang. Stang can be your commander. It definitely can. I do love Stang. It's pretty funny. But it doesn't. That doesn't mean that it's a good deck or, or it's going to be competitive.
2: On EDH Rec right now, maybe one of you viewers can change this. There's only one deck for Akiri, Lineslinger, and Ikra Shidiki, the Usurper. <laughs> That's so the you you have played partner pair? Yep. You, so you have a, a, a partner that cares about artifacts and wants to get buff and hit people, and then a Menace... That, this one cares about butts, right? That yeah equals the creature's toughness. Yeah. So and Akiri gets plus one plus plus zero, not a toughness buff. What
0: so,
1: <laughs> is 0-3 to start?
2: It's another three to start. So yeah, th- at three at the at the baseline it ain't so bad, you know.
1: You get four colors. Yeah, you
2: and can you can do... you can gain life and then you can hit them. You're missing so.
1: blue, so no wonder you're missing the the best color.
2: Yeah, it's true. <laughs> uh, anyway, if you'd like to change that and tell us how we are so wrong about this, please. We're Build an Ekros Shadiki and a, uh, a Akiri, 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 a line slinger deck. I don't even yeah, know the name of the creature. Okay, so let's look at partner with commanders. Now these came out in Battle Bond, and the reason that they're different, and honestly, I'm a little upset that they didn't find a way to make partner a little more ubiquitous, but at the same time, you have to preserve the integrity of the set that it's in, otherwise, you're gonna make it a really bad drafting environment for a lot of people that will be affected. So people well, are saying like this is a commander masters, but it isn't because of partner with, I think.
1: I don't think it's a problem within the draft environment. I think yeah. it's a problem I think they were being careful, and I'm glad they were about yeah. the the Vile Smashers and the Thrasios, and just breaking that. It's see, this is the problem they're going to run into. Um, it's very hard for them to sort of test any new partner commander that's able to partner with other partner commanders. Oh yeah, um, In because like this. yeah, because the combinations there's so many. Yeah, so I mean, if you threw to some of these more. as partners into the oh, mix, yeah. things would be just really weird for sure. I think their your chance of it being broken is so much higher. Yeah, so. I would love to see a card like... I understand why they did it. I mean, there are some people out there, let me ask you, uh, that are hoping that because we got partners within BattleBond that maybe in Commander 2018 we'll get some kind of partner thing. I would hope... I mean, look, who knows? But at the same time, it's really
2: confusing for me to have it be called partner with. I almost wish they said something like link. Bonded? Bonded,
1: yeah. Or, battle you know, bond? Battle bond. I'm surprised that it wasn't bonded with.
2: But maybe because the word partner is being used here again, it means that Wizards wants to play more around with the part, just partner, and then maybe there's going to be a word after kind of stuff. I don't know. Look, I have no clue, but who knows?
1: I have no clue, but who knows? Yeah, exactly. I tell you who knows. Gavin Verhey. Gavin uh, text me <laughs> ask Is that G- how it works I, I know I'm just telling the audience go ahead and ask Gavin right, on yeah, Twitter because yeah. we can't we don't know so yep. okay
2: okay so look, we're gonna examine each of the partner combinations because they can only be partnered with each other it's gonna be a shorter list there's uh, six of them we'll talk about total and we're also gonna talk about cards that you could put in the decks as well as uh, whether or not these cards would be I, this is my hopeful thinking like which which of the real partners right now should be a rat of these two to partner with But we can't do that, unfortunately. (laughs) Because there's only a couple. All right, so I'll read one. You read the other. Oh, okay. The first is Rowan Kenrith and Will Kenrith. I'll read the red one. You read the blue one. This is perfect. Okay, this is perfect. Four red red for a Planeswalker. That's right. We're starting with a Planeswalker. Uh, It's partnered with Will Kenrith. So anytime one enters the battlefield, you can search your deck for the other, or if they can both be your commander. And Rowan Kenrith can be your commander. So she has three abilities. Her plus two during target player's next turn, each creature that player controls attacks if able. Her minus two, she deals three damage to each tap creature. Her minus eight, target player gets an emblem with whenever you activate an ability that isn't a man ability, you may copy it and choose new targets for the copy. So she has a hurt a lot of tap creatures and as well as make every creature attack. Goad them essentially, but they can still attack you.
1: Yeah, I wish it would have just said... Goad? During target player's next turn, eat, or goad all players target player, or sorry, goad all creatures target player controls. Would they even be able to attack your two at giant team if that was the case? Yeah, because if they're not, because you do the new rule with Dominaria was you do sort of declare your creatures to attack a, a specific player. person, a player, yeah, yeah, and Goat also is. I think once it's down to two play- players, they can attack you, right? The way Goat is worded. Yeah, I think so. Um, so it would it would still work. I I think they just didn't want to add another keyword, another you know, Goat's not in the set otherwise.
2: That's true. It's a good point.
1: But, um, I mean,
2: Rowan. Yeah, it's attack a player other than you if able. If so able, so there's no yeah. one else to attack. They'll go straight for you. So, Rhone seems fine, I guess. Six mana is a lot. Her a ultimate lot. is
1: sweet, but if you're only playing it for her ultimate, then maybe then there are love. better commanders. Oh yes, f- for the ultimate. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. So the brother is Will Kenrith. These are like the Lannisters, by the way. Yeah. This is totally Joffrey and.
2: Joffrey, you mean? Uh. Um,
1: Joffrey was Cersei. a Lannister. We all know. Oh yeah, it's it's, so it's, it's Jamie. Jamie and Jamie and Cersei. Yeah, because oh, yeah, they're twins. I true, don't want to see what's coming out. But this guy Joffrey. looks more like Jafflery. That's true. He does a little bit. He looks
2: definitely like a younger Lannister. He doesn't have the ruggedness that Jamie
1: does. Yeah, and exactly. So... And he's still got both <laughs> hands. Okay. Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, Will Kenrith is the blue one. Four blue, blue for a four, four loyalty planeswalker. Plus two until your next turn. Up to two target creatures each have base power and toughness zero three and lose all abilities. Negative two, target player draws two cards until your next turn, instant sorcery and planeswalker spells that player casts cost two generic mana less to cast. So you don't have to choose yourself with that one. Interesting, yeah. Um, And then the ultimate, negative eight, is target player gets an emblem with whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, copy it, you may choose new targets for the copy. Again, that's target player, so was Mm -hmm. Rowan. You can give emblems to another player you're rarely going to do that but it is a possibility um will's a lot better than rowan
2: yeah just because it's minus two is very powerful making stuff cost two generic less to cast for
1: instant sorceries and planeswalkers Um, i just think it's gonna be safer to play will in a lot of instances too because the plus two actually sort of blanks two creatures yeah and so whereas rowan you could play it into a board and then just get attacked and died. Even if you plus two are like, well, yeah, I was going to attack the Planeswalker anyway. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. But Will comes down and messes with that a little bit, the calculation, because you go, okay, well, the two best creatures are zero threes now, and maybe there's not even more than that. Or at least yeah. I can block the other ones or something. So turn um, that Blightsteel Colossus the other direction. And the negative two, you're right, is could be... Because you untap, you negative two, you yourself draw two cards, you play a land, and now you've got seven mana available, but all your instants and sorceries it's cost two, two less. less. Yeah. So it's... Not po- hard to think of going infinite there either. It's potentially... Yeah, imagine you play like, I don't know, High Tide or something. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you just got a bajillion mana. You have a Mizzic And deck? all your stuff is... Yeah. And all your stuff is, you know, super discounted. I, I think Will's actually pretty good just as a mono blue commander almost. Six mana's a lot.
2: Yeah. But will is definitely the better of the two by a long shot um and so cards that you might want to play if these two were your commanders would be stuff like you could be very mean and play jockle hops because with will out you're playing lands at the same rate as everyone else so you're going to start playing stuff faster as well not to mention just planeswalkers by themselves planeswalkers incredibly... and jockle hops are great because jockle hops was yeah it's destroying it doesn't say planeswalker Planes- yeah. on it because
1: they didn't exist back then
2: for six mana artifacts creatures
1: and lands and they can't be regenerated that's pretty intense i almost feel as if Juggle hops, Nev's disc, cards like that should be errated to say permanence. But I don't like errata in general, so I'm fine with that they don't. Yeah, and we just had a real big errata recently with Target. Oh, yeah. Um, oh,
2: yeah. So. Uh, Disrupt Decorum, also speaking of goad. that's the, uh, the sorcery from Commander 2017, uh, and I think uh, Conspiracy as well, where you goad all creatures you don't control until, until next turn. Those creatures attack each combat and someone else. So the reason that
1: that's obviously good is that it works well with what Rowan's doing
2: which is why I like quite a bit.
1: Yeah, and it stops... Yeah, exactly. It stops them from attacking you specifically, and when you got Planeswalkers as your commanders. Yeah. Even if you don't have Rowan out, even if it's just Will, it's still good. The next one you've got down here is Reigns of Power. This is a goofy one. Two blue-blue for an instant. Untap all creatures you control and creatures target opponent controls. You and that opponent each gain control of all creatures. The other controls until end of turn. Those creatures gain haste until end of turn. So are you assuming you don't have a lot of creatures well it's like hey make our creatures attack swap them
2: you know now you give them zero creatures and you get the creatures that are supposed to attack because of rowan or whatever uh because not rowan because of yeah because of rowan because she's trying to make all other creatures attack so you well, like, i
1: think you could swap him attack with theirs yeah you can do that too which is pretty funny and then can rowan target you or is it opponent with the negative rowan can say
2: during target players next turn so yeah
1: no no the negative two
2: oh negative two three damage to each character creature target player So you can target yourself so i'm
1: going to take your creatures attack with them and then i'm going to (laughs) negative and and targeting myself and do negative three to all my creatures which are actually your creatures that's a cool combination i like that
2: yeah it's it's definitely like one of those big one shot everyone goes oh snap but uh you know it's how it goes (laughs) here's the next one war tax enchantment two in the blue are they pirates? Those guys are pirates. Uh-huh. Uh, X in the blue. This turn creatures can't attack unless their controller plays pays X for each attacking creature they control. So again, these are good with Rowan. You just make them pay. Be you like, make them attack, but they can't. They they won't can't want to actually attack, you. attack because they'll have to pay, you know, six mana per or whatever. Well, they just can't attack you. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is great. Um, and you can use it actually during any turn. So, which is really interesting. I kind of like this card in general. I'm surprised I haven't seen it before. It's propaganda ish. Yeah, but it's interesting because it makes you have to spend mana, but it does stop other people from attacking other people too.
1: Oh, it's can't attack. It's not just you. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Unless they're control. Oh, I thought X. It was a can't attack you. Yeah. I think i i recognize this art i'm sure i've bought this card like going i'm gonna put this in this deck and then it just got Are there cut. any
2: foil versions guys let me it's know Arcadian mass uh yeah it's just so you got to have a lot of mana for this to be really fun and useful um but yeah anything that just has high cmc like just because of the forking because of the forking and because will can make it cheaper so you can play expropriate a turn early as well two turns early. two turns early yeah interesting pay it for seven right because it costs nine yeah so you play oh, well for six and then expropriate, yeah. for, expropriate seven. for seven is just ridiculous yeah <laughs> it's ridiculous
1: at nine yeah. i've still never lost when i've cast it
2: that card should almost be like an 11 drop honestly to be fairly costed i think yeah it's it's way too good and if you
1: forked it oh gosh good night <laughs> seriously um, yeah it's
2: a real good night
1: uh Beacon of Tomorrow's is that the extra turn beacon? Yeah, yeah. And any, any t- extra turn is gonna be good because you get to use their abilities again. and cast is exactly. cheaper, and well. then you get to get to the part where you're forking it. Yeah, so. which is nuts. Okay, sold. All right, let's but talk. Wait, wait. Oh. So there's a question here. Oh, that's right. Um, do you think that this partner pair is good though, Rowan and Will? Is that a good deck? Heck no. Two think- six CMC Planeswalkers is just not a real because having them both
2: out is when it really shines. I think you're much better putting this in a deck that has red and blue and would either use one or both their abilities. Because if you think about it, each one of these cards draws a card when they come out. a Very specific card, but it draws a card if you play it in the ninety-nine, which is a but makes the you, value actually If you play item. them as
1: partners, they try, you just start with an extra card out there. You do start with an extra. Here's card. Here's the thing: too. they yeah. can't be worse than just Will is by himself. True, right? Well, they're definitely. You could better, still play right? a mono-blue deck with Will and Rowan in the command zone, and yeah. it would just be a Will deck. <laughs> and Will is pretty good yeah Will is very good I think um, it that's, is 6 CMC so that's the knock I think against Will but those that partner pairing cannot be worse than just of, one than the best one of them is
2: true I think I'm just rather thinking that there's going to be a lot more scenarios that you want to just have one or the other in the 99 rather than trying to build a deck around this and make it work well yeah because this is almost kind of group huggy with what Rowan's doing in a weird way
1: Rowan specifically is way worse when they know it's going to come yeah Will's Will's fine, um, but Rowan is the type of creature you don't you like. You wouldn't want to attack mm-hmm. if you know they can play Rowan next turn because they can player and immediately do three to all of your creatures that attacked. So you'd be like, okay, they're out five mana next man, next um, turn. They'll be at six. I'm not going to attack with my creatures with three toughness right now because they can all get zapped by Rowan. Yeah. But on the other hand, if you don't even know Rowan's in the deck or if they have it in their hand, then that that card becomes more powerful. <laughs> because when it's sneak it's like a pseudo board wipe too. yeah yeah it's interesting i
2: honestly i think the partner pairing if there are cool decks to be made there they'll be fun but i would rather i think they're more much more powerful if you have a couple more colors than just blue and red to play with them that's yeah. my i mean you want thoughts. green obviously yeah you definitely want but green. if
1: you're gonna doubling season into somebody's ultimate these neither of these win you the game on the spot you rather sure. just do one of the commanders that does I mean, if that's your thing, which it'll be more people's thing because more doubling seasons are going to be out there, The and that's other fine. thing, though, is that you will play
2: Will in the Planeswalker deck. He makes your Planeswalkers yeah. cheaper, you know? And he protects, could you imagine he protects playing, your board. Could you imagine playing two Planeswalkers in one turn because of Will? Because they both cost two less? That's crazy.
1: Yeah, that is crazy. Okay, um, let's go on to our our preview cards. Zinder split. I have wisdom and a cone. I have chaos. Um We've talked about these every episode. Do we have to read them again? Okay, fine. No. Well, Zinder Split is four and a blue for a one-four <laughs> homunculus. And at the beginning of your up, what, of combat. Your combat, you flip a coin until you lose a flip. And then whenever a player wins a flip, you draw a card. Or so, sp- yeah. You are you have a
2: 50% chance to draw one card. Just with Zinder Split Just by with Zinder Split. And then after that, you have a 25% to draw two in a row. And then whatever it goes down from there. Because... If you win two in a row, you draw two cards. That's pretty sweet, actually. I'll take. Hey, if you told me every turn I had a twenty-five percent chance to draw two cards, and a little less chance to draw three, and even less to draw four, I'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm not a mathematician, but how does that average out cards per turn? It's slightly more than fifty. It's better than Scry. I'll say that much. It's much well, better than scry because 50% of a card possibility is much better, I think, than...
1: Well, the, see, yeah, because half the time you draw a card, mm-hmm. but then some percentage of the time you draw a card, you draw a second card. So that screws up the math as far as, as it's not just half a card. Because the upside gets exponential. And then exponential some percentage of start, the time yeah. you draw three cards, and very rarely will you draw more than that. But that... Uh, 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 that's me trying to do the math. Uh, I think it's better than scry. It's uh, obviously not as good as just drawing a card.
2: <laughs> uh, and Okun, Eye of Chaos. Yeah, still trying to do the. Math. Josh is going to be in another zone for a while. You're in the Remember command zone. In game
1: nights where I went in beautiful mind mode? Yeah, <laughs> that's not what's happening right now. Actually, in my brain right now, it's just like, it's like the old MS DOS with just the cursor blinking. Ding, ding, ding. That's it. It's like one squeaky wheel. <laughs> go, Barely the, the moving. Hamster's not even yeah. In there. Yeah. The hamster's like holding a holding a beer and just <laughs> jerky looking at the wheel. Yeah, he's
2: kind of like every time he breathes towards it, it goes, <laughs> it's almost there. <laughs> Akun Eye of Chaos is 4 and a red for a 3-3. Three, three. He's obviously partners. At the beginning of combat on your turn, flip a coin until you lose a flip. So the exact same text, except whenever a player wins a coin flip, you double Akun's power and toughness until end of turn. So you can just become massive. Become a 6, six 12, 12, twenty-four twenty-four, And if you increase his power past that, then obviously that's how math works.
1: And the thing about these is they stack. So yes. um, Split and Akun would mean you're flipping two coins. Two in which case you have an even money shot at drawing at least one card mm-hmm. and... Again, your percentage goes up of drawing coup, three. Yeah,
2: I don't know. I mean, I love these guys actually because it makes a coin flip deck a real thing. A card shot up in price thanks to this deck, uh, and it's called Clark's Thumb. Oh yeah, I have a
1: couple of these luckily because I was nice. building a coin flip deck years ago. Remember when I was building a chaos deck? Yes. Well, Josh is amazing chaos deck, which was no fun. But I, <laughs> it ended up not being any coin flip cards. But when I was originally yeah. building it. I just ordered all the coin flip cards thinking like, oh, these will go in and then I cut that sub-theme out of it. But as a result... You got some thumbs? I have all the coin flip cards. You should and build this deck. because of Jason Alts, I ordered two of all the coin flip cards because he told us once, <laughs> if you like a card, someone else will probably like it. So you should order two instead of one when you order cards because they're probably going to go up in value because you like it somebody else will like it every retailer in the world just went thank you so
2: much josh
1: thank you jason alt thank you for Um, doubling our our profits essentially here's the thing like it sounds like i made money on crock's thumb but the problem is i also bought two of about 20 other coin (laughs) cards that have not gone up in value so yeah um i should build this deck except for i just moved and all of those cards are in a box somewhere and i have no idea where i would love to build this deck before gp vegas but Probably not going to happen. Okay. sorry. Think about it. Okay. Clark, uh,
2: let's read the text on the card. Very simple. It's a two mana legendary artifact. So you can't play your two copies, unfortunately. though. One, the also, legendary. you know. Yeah, you know, just Elder a. Elder Dragon Highlander. Just a downside. <laughs> if somehow you're able to play two. You could
1: copy it. Oh, no. That's legendary.
2: True. Man. You Helm of the Host. Nope. No. Nope. Not a creature. If you could copy this, though, because it says if you would flip a coin instead, flip two coins and ignore one. So every time a player flips a coin, guess what? You're flipping two coins now. I'm pretty sure that works out like that so if you flip two coins That's kind and of you insane. win both the flips and you can still ignore one you're still drawing two cards so obviously incredibly good with Xander
1: Split or Xander Split oh man this is making me excited about that deck. I got now I gotta open fifty million boxes. That was actually to find the entire out. point of this episode to make to you know make... that. <laughs> yeah, in my stead. Uh the next one you have listed is Chance Encounter. I have two of these. Two red Wait, really? red <laughs> for an enchantment. It says flip a coin on it. It's true. Two red red enchantments. Whenever you win a coin flip, put a uh, luck counter on chance encounter. At the beginning of your upkeep, if chance encounter has ten or more luck counters on it, you win the game. We all love this. So you just have to win ten coin flips in a game where chance encounter is out. Krug Slum and both your commanders means you're flipping uh, a bajillion.
0: Yeah, minimum
2: four four coins that turn, and then if you if you win on any of them, you start you just keep
1: going. That's you know? the thing is with Krug Slum and, and either one of the commanders, you just have to win one to, one to of get two. another chance. So yeah, so Krug Slum literally is probably the best card in the deck oh by for,
2: far. Sure. By for, far. Sure. for sure by far um you also have the rings of bright hearth um, uh, think about this one. obviously everyone loves this card because it's just very good in general three man artifact whenever you activate an ability if it isn't a man ability you may pay two if you do copy that ability and you can choose new targets for the copy so this works obviously there are some cards out there that help you flip cards including this one that lets you flip uh,
1: actually infinite coins yeah, this one with um, you just win the game. Yeah, okay. It's <laughs> frenetica free. It's one blue, red. I have two of these cards. <laughs> <laughs> I remember ordering it. It's from Mirage. This card is sweet, by the way. Yeah, it's a flying. It's a, sorry. It's a two-one flying for one a blue and a red. It says you pay zero colon flip a coin. So you could just flip coins. If you win the flip, frenetica, frenetica free phases out. If you lose the flip, uh, sacrifice frenetica free. Here's the thing, though. You can flip at instant speed. Yep, it just costs zero. So you just
2: activate it a thousand times, even if it's bounced. The trigger's still on the stack. You're still flipping coins.
1: You win. Yeah, you're like, oh, I win that flip. Okay, I'll let that one resolve, and yeah. then I'll we'll flip it again. Oh, I'm, I lose that one. In response to that, I'll just flip it again. Is that how that well, works? You, you literally just trigger it a thousand times, and you have to flip a coin
2: each time. Oh yeah, there's still all the. It doesn't care on if the f- permanent. It doesn't care if the permanent's on the battlefield. Oh, yeah, you all all literally just go. I'm going to d- I play for free. I'm going to mm-hmm. use it a billion times. I win the game because I have chance to counter out, and I will win
1: ten of those flips. Even with just Zender split out, you just draw you your draw entire your whole deck. deck, yeah. Um, so and with um, a cone, you just make him infinitely large.
2: Ding, 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 ding! For an freak. can I buy one off you?
1: Uh, I have two. Perfect. So
2: yes, you finally will make some money back. <laughs> <might>. <laughs> finally, there's cards like Stitch in Time, one in blue and a red. Flip a coin. If you win the flip, take an extra turn after this one. If you just have commanders out that say draw a coin, if you draw a card, if you draw make, a coin, so you yeah draw a coin. <laughs> You could technically just play this as a three-mana draw, one card, potentially, right? So, like, the downside of cards like this is actually mitigated quite a bit by the Commanders.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I have... I'm. Do
2: you have two of those? It's, I... This is on the riskier side. It's a three-mana extra turn card, though,
1: Josh. Every time. <laughs> Wasn't there a Legacy deck built around this thing? I think there was. Somebody was playing around there. Um That's amazing. My guess is I have two, but I don't remember that one specifically, so it's possible that I looked at that one and went, eh, eh.
2: Which is not so, the right attitude to have. Okay. I believe these cards are better as commanders, not in the 99.
1: 100%, because they this enables s- an entire deck. I yeah. think, I wish they would have found a few more things like this, but this is great, where mm-hmm. they literally are creating a deck that just kind of didn't exist. I, I have played against a coin flip deck at a, a GP. Um, I forget. I think his name's Michael. Oh, man, I'm sorry if I'm messing up your name. And it's pretty sweet, but that's the only one I've ever seen. And you had True. to just run, like, you know some commander that didn't matter at all just to, just to have blue and uh, red in your colors. So True that. Yeah, okay. The next pairing partners with is Peer, Imaginative Rascal, and Toothy, Imaginary Friend. Toothy. Peer is two and a green for a 1-1 human. Partners with Toothy. If one or more counters would be put on a permanent your team controls, that many plus one of each of those kinds of counters are put on that permanent instead. Yes. it's kind of like hardened scales in that if it doesn't right. double the amount just adds one more if you put three on you're gonna put four now with Pierre, not not six um counters on permanence planeswalkers counts loyalty counts all kinds of the other weird counters but doesn't count things like infect or um right. experience counters that go on players. Being, yeah on a permanence. Yeah.
2: uh toothy imaginary friend three in the blue for a one one partners obviously with Pierre whenever you draw a card play plus one plus one counter on Toothy and when Toothy leaves the battlefield draw a card for each plus one plus one counter on it so obviously the Planeswalkers are very good in this deck in fact I'm much more of a fan of
1: Pierre as in terms of a build around than Toothy I think Toothy's just generically good yep can kind of go in any blue deck and not be embarrassing this would be a great card by the way they just said partner I think this would be fine yeah Um.
2: Yeah, it's it is card draw these cards, but it does require Toothy to leave the
1: battlefield, and you know, this is why it's hard for the partner because I'm like yeah. my brain's like, well, well hold on, compare it with each possibility, and then it's like, ah, true. true. And then the, the Gopher takes a break. And... If there
2: was a partner that flickered something, then Toothy would not be cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: Um, yeah, so th- I, I think these cards, um, obviously, some of the there's like the storage counterlands that work really well with Pierre as well. Because you get one more counter out of uh, that. Vivid lands, yeah, the vivid lands you put lands. down here
1: are really good. Yeah, planeswalkers. Um.
2: As foretold, you know, you get to put a time counter on as foretold, and you can pay zero rather than the mana cost for a spell. You cast the converter, mana cost is X or less, mm-hmm. or X is the number of time counters on as foretold. So you can like make it two to four, or you know, you basically start jumping that up real fast. Um, it's more of a build around, but I could see decks that would want pier. Let's say you just know you have bigger things. Is at two, four, and six, or with pure L?
1: Yeah, I mean, do you think it's better than a lot of the com- the plus one, plus one counter options that are available? Like, it, to me, it feels good with like things you normally can't mess with. True, like loyalty counters and the vivid lands thing is cool. Um, the storage lands is, I think, a little better that ramps you, but I'm not sure that it's, it's good not, enough. Yeah. It's like a hardened skills in your command zone but it's a three-mana, one-one. Yeah, and do you really need hardened scales in the deck that you're... I mean, hardened scales is in most of those plus-one counter decks, but it's partially good because it's one mana as an enchantment.
2: Yeah, and it's also, in this case, because it says counters on it, just on any permanent for pier peer, that you want to try and think bigger. It actually kind of restricts you a little more because it's like, well... Do I want just this thing? And is building my deck around this mechanic going to hurt it overall? Mm-hmm. Or is he
1: just better in, in, inside the 99? Now, my question is, how do you put Pierre in a Marchesa deck? Actually, it wouldn't matter. It doesn't place the counters. It just places an extra one, and Marchesa doesn't, yeah. doesn't want a lot. just wants one on everything. Hmm. Um, the last thing you have down here is the graft mechanic. So graft is a mechanic that comes on a lot of creatures. And it'll say, like, graft and then a number. So let's take the cytoplas rootkin as an example. It's two green green for a zero zero, but it has graft four, which means this creature enters the battlefield with four plus one plus one counters on it. Five of pure is out. And then there's usually some ability pu- tied to the plus one plus one counter. Um, oh, sorry, sorry. Graft four comes in with four counters. Warcraft. And then whenever another creature yeah. enters the battlefield, you may have a plus one plus one counter. Uh, whoosh, you may move a plus one plus one counter from this creature onto it. So. Yeah. All right. So, it places a counter and you get to double it up. So,
2: you're essentially, you can start like making little graft chains if you make a graft deck where it's like, be bigger, everyone, throw one right. on. Right. So, get Cytoplast it to two. comes
1: out, Peer's already out. So, Cytoplast gets five counters. Mm-hmm. And then you play another creature and you choose to graft one of the counters from Cytoplast. It goes down to four onto the new creature. But because the counter's being placed, it actually gets two. Yeah.
2: And if that's a graph creature, it gets you know even more because it comes in with all that stuff too. So there's a lot of different. It's every instance a counter is being put on. It
1: starts to have a sort of doubling season like effect in that is placing, yeah. it's placing. It's kind of placing more than one. Yeah, a little bit.
2: Um, and we didn't really talk about Toothy because again, Toothy is generically just gonna be good. Uh, so I think for sure these are not great partners together i don't think you're building a deck that really does anything if you do this if that makes sense uh, you can draw cards which is awesome thanks to toothy but i would rather have these in different decks to be honest i don't even know if i'd play them in the same deck
1: they don't really i mean toothy's fine with peer in that you always want to draw cards in whatever deck but they don't work together exactly yeah because like we were saying i don't think you're building the peer deck with the plus one plus one counter themes
2: yeah it's interesting because the drawing cards is the important part about toothy uh, and and peer doesn't help you draw cards if that makes sense yeah that's what would really take it over the top
1: if Piro i mean it was, helps you put on more counters which helps would you draw on you counters, more or cards. cards
2: but there's like that one extra step that just kind of holds it back a little bit i think from i would rather having it have it be
1: in the 99 here's the thing that deck would still be fine though yeah oh yeah i think the deck would be fine because it's gonna draw cards like it's gonna do it a little bit slower than maybe some of the other yeah. simic options, but still better than all the Boros options. <laughs> so well, when you tech, put it like that, Josh. That deck won't be bad. But yeah, I agree. I, I would say in the ninety nine. I think they're they're not even in the ninety nine together most of the time. They're in different decks. Alright, next up we have Virtus the Veiled and Gorm the Great.
2: I love these names. So Virtus the Veiled is a 2 and a, th- uh, two and a black for a 1-1 partner with Gorm and has death touch whenever it deals combat damage to a player. That player loses half their life rounded up. So it's so a 3 mana, 1-1 death touch, but here's the thing. It's not going to really find that many ways to get in for combat, that's for sure.
1: Well, unless Gorm the Great's out, because Gorm the Great is 3 and a green for a 2-7 with Vigilance, and Gorm the Great must be blocked if able, and Gorm the Great must be blocked by 2 or more creatures if able.
2: So he sort of stands in front with his two big arms, trying to block as many creatures as possible, and then behind him, Verdus is like, "I'm coming in," and then stabs him for a giant, quietest spike level of
1: damage. If they have two or less creatures, and you have both these creatures out, then they're going. They're going down. They're going. They're losing half their life, and maybe
2: all of their life if you're going to play it with cards like uh, exquisite blood. And then you combine that with Sanguine Bond. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you don't even need
0: Virtus yeah. or Gorm for that to work. That's true. That's true. <laughs>
2: uh, but Exquisite Blood is a, a deck that you could play in this deck. Uh, Wound Reflection is the one that really just kills them on the spot because yeah. it, it's at the end of, I think, every... Uh, yeah, each each end, step. End, yeah. end step. Yeah, step, yeah. They
1: lose life equal to the amount of life they lost that
2: turn. So if they lost half their life, they lose the other half. Not um, to mention that as this begins at the beginning of each end step, and it's each opponent. So it affects your opponent's combats as well when they start fighting each other. And the are... great
1: thing about wound Reflection is you can do it afterwards, right? So you attack, and Vertus gets through, and maybe they think, oh, I'm at 30, it's 15 damage, I'm yeah. going to take it rather than block with something because Vertus has Death Touch, and I'll just go to 15, it's not the best, but I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And then you play wound Reflection afterwards. And they're like, <gasps> and they're like, it's not okay. It's not okay. It's I'm not losing okay. the rest of my life.
2: Uh, the Archfiend Despairs is a new card from Balaban that does basically the same thing. Uh, and then the last card I hit here was Infiltration Lens. This is a weird card from Scars Mirrodin. It's a one mana equipment that you normally wouldn't play, but it says whenever a equipped creature becomes blocked by a creature, you may draw two cards. Equip one.
1: Oh, so you put out a creature that kind of have to block.
2: Yeah, like there, it's you know. It's it the works same. on Gorm too. Yeah, yeah, it works really well on Gorm. But uh,
1: would it, would it? I uh, shouldn't ask these questions because we get it. I believe
2: accounts. it will trigger multiple times or it's only once. I'm not sure.
1: <laughs> so all possibilities. All possibilities. That's how I that's how I make this show
2: work for me, Josh. I say both things and say it really convincingly and hey, you know what? It's going to be either, true either way. Either, either one way. could happen. Yeah, see? I'm I'm just constantly winning here on the show. All I want to do is win, 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 win. 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 win, win. Uh, but I believe it will trigger multiple times, you know. It will say it probably... Ask a judge yeah, ask about
1: a judge. that one because I don't want to Google it right now.
2: Although we are... I mean, Commander players are closer to judges than most players, I believe. If we that's have true, to- that's
1: really bad because we're, <laughs> we mess up rules constantly.
2: Yeah. we. But it's also because we have to always think about these ridiculous interactions. It's true. Um, I think both these cards are better than the 99. I think Virtus the Veil is just a fun one to put in the deck if you are
1: running a wound reflection kind of deck. Or Alesha, who smiles yeah. at death. Some way to cheat it out. Uh, it's an Azra assassin. If it was a demon, you could do like... Kalia or Kalia something, but sure. you can't. Kalia has Master of Cruelties, which is a demon, I believe. Yeah, and so. we mentioned Gorm in, like, a Doran deck or something. I mm-hmm. think it would probably be pretty good. Because you are forcing people to block it. So, like, your Oracle of Moldiah is just going to die to that thing, right? True. So it can kind of pick off their little, you know, yeah, Seedborn seven. Muses. People don't want to block with certain... A lot of creatures that people play aren't there to ever block ever. Yeah. And so Gorm can kind of eat those things depending. Obviously, you can't eat Seedborn unless it's in a Doran deck or something like that, but it's interesting we'll see what happens I don't think Gorm's very good no. Virtus <laughs> is the by far the better one and even that it's just tough if you have to deal combat damage yeah I mean how many times have you ever been hit by a what is it Sire of Insanity or it's very rare oh Master of Cruelties
2: Master of Cruelties they have to sneak it out it's it's just hard right It. let's say you board wipe and then maybe you do like a creature with a haste like how many blur.
1: literally how many times have you ever been hit by a Master of Cruelties I think twice and
2: it was only because of Kalia sneaking it in so mm-hmm. not very many Not times. very many, Yeah, no. It's just a rare thing. Okay, so we have Sylvia Bright Spear and Corvath Bright Flame. We're not going to spend much time on this. Sylvia basically is a white card. That's a 2-2 double strike. And dragons, your team control, have double strike. And Corvath is 5 and a red for a 3-4 red card. Uh, their partner is Flying Haste. And it says knights, your team controls, have Flying and Haste.
1: All your knights jump on the back of dragons.
2: Yeah, and Sylvia makes all your dragons double strike because
1: it's the human slashing it and a the lance. dragon
2: breathing fire. Here's the thing. It's Boros. If you play this as he Boros, your commanders like you're just really shooting yourself in the foot here.
1: I mean, you have to pick one. So you're either a knight deck or a dragon deck, right? Because I'd rather be a dragon both. deck. But then you might as well just go with one of the five colors or the scion or something. Yeah. So I think it, you got to be a knight deck, in which case mm-hmm. in which case, uh, you're a knight deck. And
2: you're not playing Corvath and Sylvia as your, you know, like you'd want to do a knight deck with a more... More colors. That's all I got to say. They're red and white. These are nuts
1: in limited, but real bad in commander. The only. No, they need to make new. Every time. Every time. Boros commanders, every time, are just like boring. Good for limited, most times. Like Aurelia. That card is absurd. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, you're not wrong. (laughs) Look, I
2: gotta give it some. We already tried to break Boros, and at the end of it, Josh and I, I was still, I was still like, it's
1: still bad. (laughs) It's just to break Boros, you just make a bad, yeah, like Simic wannabe deck. So that doesn't even break it. Okay. Yeah. Um, the next pairing is Krav. This is the last one, right? Yeah. Krav the Unredeemed and Regna the Redeemer. So Krav is four and a black for a three-three. You can pay a black, sacrifice X creatures, and then target player draws X cards and gains X life where... Uh, uh, sorry. And then you put x 11 counters on Krav. So you pay a black, sacrifice three creatures, target player, usually yourself, draws three cards, gains three life, and Krav becomes a 6-6 now. Yep. Regna is five and a white for a 4-4 flyer. At the beginning of each end step, if your team gained life this turn, create 2 one, one white warrior creature tokens. Again, in Commander, your team is you, usually... Which means that if you activated Krav, you will have gained life and drawn cards, and then Regna will then trigger on the end step and create two more warrior creature tokens for you that you can then sack to Krav. We talked about this last episode, and that kind of gets you in this nice loop where it's giving you the fodder to sack to draw the cards and gain the life to give you the fodder to sack to continue that. Um, It sounds awesome. It sounds awesome. It's a 5-man and a 6-man yeah. commander. Yeah. If if Krov was like a 3-mana 1-1 one, one, and Regna was like a 4-mana 3-4 flyer, that did, yeah. and they did have the same abilities, then I would be into this because that feels realistic, like you might you might get that combination of both out and do the thing do sometimes. Do the thing, yeah. And that's what like it feels like
2: the good partner combinations are, is they both support each other in the same way that Xander split and uh, Akum do as well. And
1: add a CMC on the curve that's reasonable. Yeah. Turn five, then turn six. That's count. That's costing all your mana on both those turns. So you then, can't even use
2: the abilities, right? You need to be able to pay X to sac, pay, pay black, black to yeah. sacrifice X. So now on so. turn
1: seven, if it, if everything goes according to plan, and they stuck around, I can start to do the thing. I also need to have somehow created a couple of creatures, or at mm-hmm. least one creature to sacrifice to get the chain going. Yeah. S- yeah. So a lot of people are asking me if I should put Krov or if I would put Krav in my Shadowborn Apostles deck and it's a consideration it's a consideration it Regna's definitely helps definitely you not. yeah Regna definitely not Regna actually kind of works better by herself
2: in a lot of ways because it's just about gaining life and then you get to do this thing it's like but cool and you're playing a 6 even... mana 4 4 flyer
1: at that point why mm. doesn't she have lifelink or something she has no way to trigger herself well if she could partner with Timna <laughs> then it would be sweet yeah, actually would be awesome oh wait it makes warriors yeah I guess it's okay
2: but here's the thing. Those those then can start dealing damage to other opponents and paying X life and drawing cards. True. I'd put it with Nagila, Najeel, Najila. Uh, Yeah. You know what? We shouldn't go down this road because it's just not a realistic one. But hey, if there's an errata to be had, maybe it's uh, with one of these guys.
1: Well, Krov seems like the type of card that would be a tier one, close to a tier one, if it was just partner and not partners with. Yes. This is open-ended, right? It's Very like we are saying... There's no deck that doesn't want to draw cards. And sacrificing creatures, that's something that most decks can figure out a way to do if they want to. Mm-hmm. It would be close to Timna, I think. Imagine if he was in a deck that made a lot of tokens. Yeah. Like, you know. I mean, you can
2: do that Tana, now. The Bloodsower, too, yeah. Yeah, you can do that now. True, but you yes. can put them inside them, but it'd be amazing again. So, yeah. But that's the thing, like... The reason that we can't do it again, it would just break a lot of things and be a nightmare to balance both a limited set and that at the same time. but you know I could see a world where there's some functional errata, maybe with some guidance being like, look, out of all of these, three of these are okay with partners."
1: Yeah. Maybe I mean it would be though. sweet, but they won't do that. yeah. because they could have done that you... with unstable and been like, listen, it'd true. be so much simpler, true. These are just legal in commander. They could like, they didn't do that. I don't know why. OK. there's another subject bandwidth probably all right so that is it for this episode guys but we
2: have some more fun things coming up it's called to the listeners i want to know if you, if you've just been screaming at your podcast machine i have an equal shidiki cider condo deck and it's awesome and you guys are totally wrong actually actually, shidiki and cider do work together because they're low low power high toughness yeah but it's still not a good deck. <laughs> Do you remember when I built a four-color deck without red and I put Sidar Kondo in there and I only put one green card? <laughs> That's how like, I was like, this is not what I want to do.
1: <laughs> no, that is what you wanted to do. But it yeah. felt dirty, right? It felt wrong. It
2: felt wrong. It just didn't work. I should have just made it a Bray deck, obviously. Uh, but yeah, do you have any favorite partner builds? Are there any cards that you think should work as partners? Or even going back, are there old cards in the past that should work as partners as well? Um, and specifically, I want to know if you've done something unconventional in the 105 combinations that we didn't talk about that changes our mind in some way. That'd be great to hear. I mean, what I use the
1: partners for is to give me colors to pull off a combination where there's not a good way to do it right now. Yeah. Like, a, before Zinder Split and a Cone were out, if mm-hmm. I was going to build a coin flip deck, I would have gone to the partners. Because at least right. you can find some that are kind of generic enough that they'll, they're will they not going to be the linchpins of your deck. They're not going to... but. Th- in a pinch they'll do something and they'll provide utility yeah there's like they'll give you an extra color to do more goofy things with yeah exactly so that's how i've kind of used them but yeah i admit i thought originally that they were gonna be just had a lot more life to them yeah and it felt like well these four are really good and you see those a lot and you just don't see the others very much which is a little bit it's too bad Yep, splitting up your strategy is very bad in Commander,
2: I found. Once you start being like, I want to play this deck and have six different things I want to do, your deck is just,
1: you're not know. going to do any of them no. well. You need a logline, and it's it can be yeah. one sentence.
2: Logline line maybe
1: a B-plot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want to pick up any of these partners from either Battlebond or C16, though, you should definitely go to cardkingdom.com slash commandzone and order your singles and your magic product there, because when you do that, you're getting the cards that you want. We're all going to order magic cards. Quickly as well. Good yeah. shipping. And while you're doing it, you're also simultaneously supporting Game Nights and this podcast and all of our content. It's a two-for-one. It's just value. it's yeah, a good two-for-one. Not to mention their foil, the C16 Commanders, that's a three-for-one.
2: <laughs> so Buy two of works? them, Jason. <laughs> now that's a six-for-one.
1: And if you crack a pack of BattleBond and you get a foil... Of one of these partners with you, you get will get a second one.
2: foil in the same pack. I haven't cracked packs in a very long time for the fun of it, and I'm pretty sure Battlebond's going to be the one because I would love to make like a cube out of this set too. It just seems like a really fun. I like play experiences, and that's what Gavin's all about. He's done, you know, he's helped out with the conspiracy sure, sets as yeah. well. So I'm very excited
1: for that. I just want to open a foil Rowan or Will and get the other one. I'm excited to draft it two-headed giant because I have no idea how that's going to work. Yeah, that's crazy. That sounds like super fun. Um, so I'm very excited for the set. Gavin's done a really good job and. I think a lot of this stuff is playable plus the reprints yeah so battle one very interesting we're going on and on about it but that's because gavin's our friend and he just he did something sweet here i think
2: yeah uh, i think a lot of commander players are very grateful for this set for good reason uh, our other sponsor for the show ultra pro playmats eclipse sleeves now in 100 packs for your commander decks and you can also sleeve up and make your cards look awesome they are the relic tokens that are really sweet especially if you're going to be playing you know your Ton of the blood decks and you need to count how many sapperlings you just made Relic Token's pretty awesome from Ultra Pro. You should find them in some LGSs. I've heard they've been selling out a lot, quite a bit as well. So you can always tweet if at Ultra Pro. If you see them, you should grab them because yeah, they they're sell hard to super get. fast. Yeah. yeah. Um, you can also tweet at Ultra Pro and let them know, hey, I want to get more. And that's a great way to let them know. That's how they knew to make 100 uh, packs for the Eclipse sleeves as well. Yep. So great way to keep in contact with a company that wants to keep in contact
1: with you. All right. Now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. Joshua? <laughs>
2: I had the last one. Yeah, it's true. I had we the can one talk before about, that. We can talk about movies.
1: Have you seen Solo? No. Okay, we can't it's talk It's funny about because um, Solo's the first Star Wars movie of ah. the new era that I didn't work on. How about this? So I ha- I know nothing about it. End step. What are you looking forward to watching, Josh, as a seasoned veteran that has seen so many
2: movies and been to so many like advanced screenings and stuff? I invited Josh to an advanced screening of a movie last week, and he's like, nah, I'm good. (laughs) And I was like, I can't blame you. You've seen a lot of things, and you've done this process so many times. Yeah, it it sounds bad. Well, you had to edit Game Nights as well, which is very important
1: for you guys. um, Yeah, the truth of the matter is that for years and years, for the last 15 years, I basically saw... like. Some portion of, I'd say, like 70% of all the major movies that came out wow. before they came out. It's a lot of movies. That doesn't mean I worked on all those movies, but in some aspect, I would work on them a little, because I, mm-hmm. I ran a division at a company that worked on movie trailers, and, and the companies would have different divisions, and they would work on movies from all over the landscape. And so, you know, I might not be working on Pacific Rim, but I would be in a company that was, somebody else would be, and, you know, I would go in and maybe talk with the editor and give some little notes and things. And so I would see significant portions of Pacific Rim before it came out. Or, yeah. or that, I'm just using that as an example. And so only in the last, like, 18 months have I gotten to the point where there are movies coming out you on a regular basis like where I know nothing about it. Yeah, interesting. Which has been really exciting. So I'm actually more excited to see movies now than I have been in, in years and years. And I'm trying to think of Incredibles two. I think is pretty. Oh high yeah, on me my too. List. Me too. And I worked on the original Incredibles. That's how old I am. Um, <clears throat> Sixty five. Yeah, I used to K- work K- on Pixar movies. So that I would say that's probably of this summer my most looking forward to from now. How about you? What. I would say Incredibles as
2: well. That movie looks very, very fun. And if we had to go real far into the distance, I believe uh, Jordan Peele is coming out with a new movie as well. Jordan Peele, anything he makes, I will go see it. Yeah, it's just based on Get Out alone. I still rave about Get Out to this day, about how good good of a movie that movie is. That
1: that guy's got talent. Yeah, Um, very much so. I'm trying to think of, yes, it's weird that I didn't see Solo. I really should go see it. I'm just very anti-prequel. Yeah, I will see it. But it definitely falls into that box when you watch it. You're like, oh, you have a history
2: to address in the creation of this essentially this movie. Like you can't go outside of a
1: box almost. Like you're given a box and it's called Han Solo's past. It's not <laughs> it's not just that too. I'm assuming, and I haven't seen the movie and I know nothing about it, um, that there's gonna be a bunch of scenes where the main characters are in danger. Yep. So you got Chewie, you got Solo, you got Lando. I know a hundred percent that they make it out of that. Yeah. That's and, good point. And that's just sort of ruins a basic tenet of storytelling of like what happens next, uh, which I always find dissatisfying. I think flashbacks are fine. People mm-hmm. often sort of throw Godfather Two out there as like a prequel, but it's not because there's a storyline in Godfather Two that's advancing in right. the present that I don't know the end to, and there's the things with Robert De Niro are all flashbacks, yeah, um, which are informing the context for the storyline in the present so i think that's a totally different thing i can't think of a prequel off the top of my head that i like it's really interesting too because the nature of prequels
2: and all that it's almost as though you're doing a historical fiction or something that's based off of history so you know like oh abraham lincoln's in this movie he's probably gonna i kind of know how his story ends right so you spoil that part of the suspense for you or because in this case it's like han solo is not real right? But he has a history now and he has a full-blown, like, I think a lot of people do consider him and people like Tony Stark and Iron Man to be real things and real people, honestly, especially, like, really young kids. Yeah, that's they, see, true. they see someone like Iron Man, they're like, that is Iron Man. That's straight up, I can't believe I just met Iron Man.
1: You know, I'll think of it, I thought of an interesting counterpoint to what I just said about prequels, and that's, like, <laughs> And I don't know why it's different, but it is in my head, and that's like m- books that were turned into movies. So like mm-hmm. Harry Potter, I know the ending of that, one. right? I read the books, and yet I can still watch those movies and enjoy them. Maybe it's because when you were reading the books, you had that feeling. Yeah, and so I can sort of connect to the feeling I had before. Mm-hmm. Maybe. And the historical thing is really interesting. Um, you know, you watch the movie Lincoln, and you know, you know the outcome of the Civil War. And yeah, you know, you know, you know where Man's the Emancipation Proclamation. Ends up. If you know anything about history, you know how those things end up, and and those movies are. I guess they don't. They're usually smart about that. They don't park the movie on, true. That's a good point. on the outcome of those things. They're more about like the character, the motivations, the things you didn't know. Yeah. I and guess... it, it also convinces you that it may not happen. I remember thinking in Lincoln, like, oh my
2: gosh, is this actually going to work? It seems like the odds are stacked against them. <laughs> it seems like... I had a bad feeling about this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Bringing it all back to Star Wars. It's all back to Star Wars, yeah. Okay, well, um, I would encourage everybody out there to go see Solo, though, because... I know everybody worked really hard on those movies and they're yeah. a little disappointed with the outcome. So,
2: you know. Yeah, the box office wasn't too great. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I ate popcorn and I laid back in the seat that reclined in the theater and I was like, this is it. This is a summer movie experience. And I, if you asked me to recount to you a lot of the
1: details, I probably wouldn't be able to. There's a, my friend had a great quote that I always love, which is like, you know, we went to see like Transformers, one of the Transformers, the bad mm-hmm. ones. And, and at the end of it, he was like, you know, that movie wasn't good. But it was loud. <laughs> you know, and that's kind of summer, and it's totally fine. You eat popcorn. You, yeah. You, you, you know, you have some fun with your friends, and that's really that's a valid reason to go see a movie.
2: So. 100%.
1: 100%. All right. Uh, now moving on to the cleanup step where we don't talk about movies for 20 minutes. We should um, just have a movie podcast, Josh. If you wanted to like, listen to some people that actually, one, do have a movie podcast, and two, would like to have a movie podcast, then you should listen to Master and Modern. Because Ben Bateman has a podcast... Uh, maybe multiple podcasts about They've been expanding, movie. yeah, action movies. Ben does a lot of just cover it. It's a really
2: interesting network of podcasts and yeah. a lot of other radio, actually. It's really fun.
1: And Kes- Alex Kessler, who's the other co-host of Master of Modern, would love to have a, a probably a million podcasts about movies. That guy Yeah, just, that
2: guy, he would probably i can imagine him listening to us talking about solo in this very weird technical and precise way and he's just thinking about the billions of things about the story and the lore and how it changed
1: x y and z he would know every detail yeah and and how
2: that's the really the important thing is the shape of the universe the extended universe now not about whether or not prequels are better because you know the outcome (laughs) he
1: also loves star wars like no one he's the biggest star wars fan i know uh and they, those guys also, as it turns out, they know a lot about magic, specifically the modern format, and they talk about it on their podcasts, which is why it's called the Mo- Masters of Modern. And you can find them on Twitter right next to us at, um, sorry, on Collected Got Company True. right next to us, and on Twitter at the Cast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Our editor for the show, Craig Blanchett. Mr. Infect,
2: special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer, who does the living card animations on the shows that Craig edits, the stuff behind us at youtube.com slash the command zone podcast. Highly encourage you. If you haven't seen the video versions yet,
1: you should watch them because you see our face. I don't know how many people out there don't know what we look like. Less these days, probably in the the old days when we got most of our downloads were listens on audio, but now our audience is like 70% on YouTube. Cool. And Jimmy is famous. So the more people know Jimmy's face. But, but from with what? the hair, they're like, I don't know, is that still Jimmy? How is he constantly waking up right before he starts the podcast? <laughs> I don't get it. Is he just napping all day? Yes. The answer is yes. I oh, God, I wish. Oh, one more thing. Is this the last episode that comes out before GP Vegas? No, I think there's two. But anyway, GP Vegas. If yeah, you're going to be there, look for me. I think Jimmy's probably not going to make
2: I, it. I Right now, it's looking like I flipped the coin. Before it was a coin flip. Now, it's definitely...
1: Now it's a coin flip with Clark's thumb, Let's but Clark's on the thumb. other side, on the other it's side, like yeah. Your opponent we're, has we're looking thumb. very unlikely that I'll be I will be able to make it this time. Yeah, right? unfortunately. But please come find me. Uh, I will be at the Commander Championship event on Friday the fifteenth um, at eleven a.m. Find me there. Get your cool Soul Ring play mat. Oh yeah. And also, I'll just be there. Follow me on Twitter at Josh because I'll be tweeting about where I'm at and yeah. uh, looking for games and large segments of Commander games tend to follow me around these events follow us around these events so if you find me you'll find commander players.
2: Yes for sure and that's the best part about the GPs for me is sitting around playing a bunch of commander with people or occasionally signing up for sealed events too with Josh so you'll be doing a couple I'm sure. Ooh, I brushed my head
1: Nice. brushed the head. I was trying to fix the hair <laughs> thanks. Alright everybody we'll see you next time
0: For your attention, for further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF and at Josh Lee See you later, alligator.
1: Greetings, humans. <laughs> <laughs>